Welcome to the Seek Podcast. We are so glad you're here. I'm Erin Falbo, your host for this season. Each week, we're sharing content that dives into the heart of the gospel, who God is, who we are, and what it means to live in relationship with Him. We're excited to walk with you as you encounter the Lord. In this episode, Father Brian Larkin speaks on learning from the wisdom of Scripture and the church and the joys of contemplative prayer. Speaking with us today is the pastor of two parishes in Denver, Colorado. He served as a Focus missionary in the early days of Focus and is a founding member of the Companions of Christ, a fraternity of diocesan priests right here in Denver. He was ordained in 2011 and still considers himself a beginner in prayer. An amazing man of God. Please help me welcome Father Brian Larkin. All right, good afternoon, everyone. How's everyone? So today we're talking about prayer, so why don't we start right there and begin with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord Jesus, today we calm our hearts and our minds. Before you, we ask you to give us your peace, your joy, to make us aware of your presence, Lord, that we would live there, that we would live from your presence. Lord, we do not know how to pray as we ought, so teach us how to pray. Uh, Draw us near to you through your goodness, your beauty, your truth. Uh, And Lord, we give this talk to you, we give this time to you, and we pray, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Great to be with you all today. So, uh, as was mentioned, I was a Focus missionary back in the early days of Focus. Uh, No one had heard of it yet. No one really knew what it was. Uh, And I really encountered Christ as a college student uh, through Focus. Today, what we want to talk about together is prayer. Prayer is one of the hardest things to do as a Christian, and if you're someone who's new to that, if you're someone who says, you know, I don't know how to pray yet, this talk really is for you because there really are none of us who are that advanced in prayer in this life. It reminds me, so Mark Twain has a famous quote where he said, the definition of a classic book is a book that everyone loves but no one has read. Prayer is a little bit like that. We all know it's important. We all know that it matters so much. We know that if we're going to get close to Jesus, that you and I have to learn how to pray. We have to learn how to do that, and we have to grow and advance in our ability to be with God. But most of us, if we're honest, we don't know how to do that. And so today what I want to do with you is I want to talk about uh, one thing that you really, really have to avoid if you're going to learn how to pray, how to pray, There's one thing you've got to cut out of your life. And then we want to talk about what God wants to do with you uh, as you pray. 
So I read a lot of books. Priests are privileged to read a lot of books. And some are better, some are worse. But I bet all of us, everyone watching today, I bet all of us have one book that we all love together. It's called If You Give a Mouse a Cookie. Classic book, and it's all about theology. So I grew up with that book. I bet you did too. It's a great book. And if you don't know it, that book, what happens is there's a little boy and there's a mouse that comes in and the mouse wants a cookie. Don't we all? Don't we all want a cookie? And so this mouse comes in and he says, yeah, I want a cookie. And this little boy has to learn that if you give a mouse a cookie, he's going to want a glass of milk. If you have a cookie, you have to have something to wash it down with. And the story goes on, and if you give a mouse a glass of milk, next he's going to ask you for a straw to drink that glass of milk with. If you give him a straw to drink that glass of milk with, the mouse is going to ask for a mirror because he doesn't want a milk mustache. The story goes on and on, but you haven't memorized and at, by the end, you know, the, the mouse has asked for a nap and a story and all kinds of things. And I love this story. One of the key lessons that you and I have to learn in life is that there's certain things in life where they're always going to ask more of you. And to start today, what I want you to think about in your life is what's going to keep you from prayer. What's going to keep you from praying? I've been a priest for 10 years. I've been trying to pray an hour of silent prayer for uh, about 20 years of my life. And the number one thing that keeps us from prayer, brothers and sisters, is not that we don't know how. Lots of people come to me and they say, Father Brian, I don't know how to pray. But that's not the main obstacle. The number one thing that will keep you from actually being a man or a woman of prayer in your life is that you do not have time. At least you don't think you do. And so that story, if you give a mouse a cookie, that book, one of the things it can show us is that the world always wants more. The world always wants more from you. And right now you're in college, you're growing in your faith, you're learning things, uh, and you're busy. You've got a lot going on, and I bet it's hard to find time to pray. It's going to get worse. As you go through your life, you'll become more and more busy. So the world always wants more. The world always wants more. In Exodus chapter 5, there's a great image of this. When the Jews are in slavery in Egypt, in Exodus 5, they go before Pharaoh and Moses wants to take the Jews and he wants them to go to worship God. And Pharaoh says, it's because you're lazy. You don't have enough to do. And so Pharaoh gives the Jews... He gives them more to do. He says, you know what? You're going to produce the same number of bricks that you always have. But now, I'm not going to give you straw for your bricks. 
The world always wants more. The modern world tells us, you know, if you just are more efficient, if you just uh, do things a little bit better, then there's going to be more time in your life. It's not true. If you give a mouse a cookie, he's going to ask for a glass of milk. The world always wants more of our life. And if you think the world's going to say, hey, just work hard Monday through Friday, and then you can take your time off and we'll leave you alone, that's a lie. Pharaoh always wants more of your life. He wants every minute of your day. He wants every thought that goes through your mind. He wants all the desires of your heart. And the world's always going to ask more of you, and it's going to ask in such a way that there's no space left for God. You know, I, I tell my congregation and my two churches, for most of us in our life, the way Satan gets at us, Satan doesn't come to you and say, you know what? You should go slash Father Brian's tires. That's what you should do. Satan doesn't usually tempt us that way. What he does do is he says, you're too busy. You've got too much going on. There's no space in your life for this. You and I have to make the first thing you got to do today. If you want to be a man or a woman of prayer, the first thing you have to do is you've got to make a commitment to make space for God in your life. We all know this. We all know how busy life is. Uh, the average person today touches their iPhone 2,617 times a day. 2,617 times a day. And I know you, you're in college, so you're more like 3,000 times a day. But we always have our phone out. The phone was supposed to give us more time to make us less busy we touch our phones 2,600 times a day. In 1979, back when you were born, before me, in 1979, the world thought that we were going to have more leisure. We we're going to have more space in our lives. Today, the average adult in America works four weeks more than the average adult in America did in 1979. We're busier than ever. If you give a mouse a cookie... He's going to want a glass of milk. And this leads me to our next point today. In the history of our church, one of the great scenes about prayer comes from Luke chapter 10. And you know this story. It's a story about two sisters, Martha and Mary. And so at the end of Luke 10, verse 38, it says, Now as they went on their way, he entered a village, and a woman, named, a woman named Martha received him into her house, and she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister left me to serve alone? Tell her to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. You know you're in trouble when Jesus says your name twice. Brian, Brian, 
right? That's when you're in trouble. Martha, Martha, you are anxious and worried about many things. One thing is needful. Mary has chosen the good portion which shall not be taken away from her. The number one threat to your prayer life is anxiety. That's the number one threat to your prayer life. In John 14, Jesus tells us that the will of God the Father is that you and I are, are fruitful, that we bear much fruit and so prove to be his disciples. And today I want to talk to you heart to heart. The number one thing that's going to keep you from bearing fruit, the fruit God wants in your life is he wants righteousness. He wants holiness. He wants your heart. He wants your heart in prayer. He wants you to be with him, to love him more deeply. And the number one thing, we're going to get to this in just a second, that's going to keep you from fulfilling that is anxiety. So I have kids in my school. We've got a big school. Uh, we've got two campuses. And when I preach to my kids in my elementary school, I give them the Greek word of the day. And so all the kids who are kind of bored at church, I give them their Greek word and they love it. So your Greek word of the day is merimnao. Merimnao. You can go to your classes this week and tell your, your friends you know some Greek. Merimnao is a verb in Greek and it's here in Luke chapter 10. And merimnao means I am anxious. To be anxious is Miriam Naum. Martha is anxious and worried about many things. This is the way that Satan comes at us in our life so frequently. Lord, I'm anxious. I'm worried about tomorrow. I'm worried about the test I have. I'm worried about my relationship with my, my girlfriend or my boyfriend. Worried about my parents. Anxiety is such a danger for us as Christians. And when I think of that word, so Jesus admonishes Martha today and he says, Martha, you are anxious. Well, there's only one thing that matters. And he uses that word. And if you think about the Bible and your years of going to church, if you've been going to church, Jesus teaches a lot about anxiety. And probably my favorite place is the parable of the sower. And so in the parable of the sower, that happens in Luke chapter 8. It also happens in Matthew chapter 13. And when you look at that parable, a sower goes out and he sows seed. And some falls on the path. And some seed falls on the rocky ground. And some falls among thorns. And some falls among good soil. One of my favorite, uh, one, a good friend of mine is a priest who preached the first Mass I had when I was ordained, Monsignor Michael Glenn. His first sermon in a parish was on that parable. And he looked out at his congregation and he said, now, just what kind of dirt do you people think you are? <laughs> I love that. 
Brothers and sisters, I am the type of soil that has the thorns in it. That's the type of soil I feel like I am. In the parable of the sower, Jesus wants to tell us that God sends out his word. He speaks to us. And that third type of soil, the soil that has the thorns growing in it, what happens is the, the word grows. That heart, that soul, maybe this is you, maybe you're like me, I bet you are. I bet you wouldn't be here today if you weren't. You've heard God's word. There was something compelling. There was something beautiful. But Jesus says in Luke 8, he says, as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. They are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. The word there for cares is marimna, anxieties. Lord, I love you. I want to be close to you. Your word touched me. But I'm so worried about what I have to do this week. And I'm anxious about where my life is going. I'm worried about my finances. At age 41, my, my priest friends and I have a line where we say, we're always fighting the slow but inevitable slide into irrelevancy and obesity. And that's what I'm fighting right now. We have anxieties. So many of you young people today, I know you're worried, where is God calling me in my life? What am I going to do for a career? Is God going to call me to, to priesthood or to religious life? Or am I supposed to marry that person or this person? And what Jesus says to us is that if you have anxieties, if you allow those thorns to take root in your soul, they will choke the word of God that's within you. It's what they do. And I know you know this. When I go into my prayer time, I pray every day, I pray for an hour in silence in the mornings. And there's this temptation in my life to say, Jesus, will you help me with this fear I have? We don't have enough people going to this church or Lord, I've got to make this tough decision about this staff member, and I'm nervous about that. Or Jesus, I feel stressed out about this, that, and the other thing. Brothers and sisters, these things, they choke the word of God inside of us, and they keep us from bearing fruit. One more parallel passage. Jesus talks about this, you know this, in Matthew chapter 6. And then also in Luke chapter 12, Jesus talks about anxieties. 
He says, do not be anxious about your life, saying, what shall we eat or drink? What shall we wear? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap, but your heavenly Father feeds them. Why are you anxious about clothing? Right there's that word again, anxiety. Miriam na'o. Why are you anxious about clothing? Look at the lilies of the field. They neither toil nor spin. Yet even Solomon in all of his glory was not clothed as one of these. If you give a mouse a cookie, he's going to want a glass of milk. When you and I go to meet our Heavenly Father in prayer, God, God loves you. He wants to know everything in your life. He, he worries about you. He cares about your fears and anxieties. But brothers and sisters, we've got to leave those at the door. Of course, we can always ask God. We can say, Lord, I love you. Jesus, I'm nervous about this in my life. And would you, would you give me courage and faith to trust in you? Would you help the situation? That's great. But if we carry those thorns into our prayer time, it will choke the word inside of us. And I want to give you one practical takeaway from this section of the talk. If you're not observing Sunday as the Lord's Day, that's the very first thing you have to do. There's a, a book I read last year. It's a great book. It's written by a Protestant pastor. It's called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And there's a great story in there. The, the author, a guy named John Mark Cummer, he talks about how one year uh, his wife bought him a motorcycle for, I think it was Christmas. And it was so awesome. He loved his motorcycle so much. So he bought his wife, she wanted a Vespa. So he got her a little Vespa. And her little motorcycle, that Vespa, on her, it, there was something called the governor. And what that governor did is it kept that Vespa from going above 50 miles an hour. The Sabbath, Sunday, is the governor for the speed of our life. You and I, Jesus again here in Luke chapter 10, Jesus turns, right, to Martha and he says, Martha, you are distracted. You're anxious. You're worried about many things. We go so fast in the modern world. We're spinning our wheels. We're going a million miles an hour. The Sabbath is a governor on the speed of our life. When I was a college student, I became convinced that I should stop working on Sundays. So all my friends, they would get, be studying for classes throughout the week. They wouldn't do any homework on Fridays or Saturdays. They did all Sundays. And when I was a senior in college, I made a decision in my life that I would no longer do that. Because Sunday is the day that God set me free. It's the day that I remember that I am called to live eternally with him in heaven. And it's a day that does not belong to the world. And so I made a boundary on my Sundays. And it changed my life forever. At first it was hard. At first I thought, it's going to be tough to, to get all my homework done. 
And I got to do it on Saturday or even Friday night. And I had a little bit of fear about that. But when I embraced it, I found joy in a way I never had before. It's a wonderful practical thing you can do. The Sabbath, the Sabbath does for time what a church does for space. When you go to Mass on Sundays, you walk into, into a church. And the walls of a church, what they do is they keep the world out so that there is a space that is dedicated to God. And we know when we go to church, right? The Going to church is not a place where I'm online buying things. It's not a place for social media. It's a dedicated space that belongs to God. Sunday, the Lord's Day, does for time what a church does for space. So important. You've got to put that boundary up in your life. Second thing is this. Once you do that, right, in the the story of Mary and Martha, Jesus says there's one thing necessary. Mary has chosen the better portion and it will not be taken from her. Brothers and sisters, you and I have to learn what prayer is. Prayer means sitting at the feet of Jesus and listening. Learning how to listen to God. When you first start to pray, the natural thing is to ask God for things. And there's nothing wrong with that. You can do that. You should do that. But you and I need to learn God, as Jesus says in Matthew 6, God knows what we need before we ever ask. And in our time of prayer, what all of us should learn how to do is how to listen to what God wants. And so I want to give you a couple of practical things. So as you let your desire for God grow in your prayer life, Right? You're going to say no to the mouse. The mouse is like, I want, I want milk, I want a straw, I want a story, t- and I want nap time. You say, nope, stay out. Stay out of this prayer time. This space belongs to God. It belongs purely to him. But then you've got to learn, how do I then listen? If I'm not listening to the world in that time of prayer, how do I listen to God? I want to give you a couple practical things you can do. First thing is this, when you go into your prayer time, before you start saying anything, just realize you're in God's presence. The great spiritual masters of our church, they, they all have wonderful paths to prayer, but almost universal, they all say, realize that God is present. A great book, if you're looking for a great book on how to pray, St. Francis de Sales has a wonderful book called The Introduction to the Devout Life. And that's the book that taught me how to pray. When you start, you may not know what to say or how to listen, and you just start and you say, all right, Lord, I just want to realize that you're here. Not imagine that you're here, but realize that you're here. And what that does is it changes your prayer time from thinking about God to actually being in his presence and listening to him. 
So place yourself in God's presence. The next thing you want to do is bring your Bible. Right? That parable of the sower is that God sows the word. God wants us to grow something in you. He wants to speak to you. And the way God primarily speaks to us is in his word in the scripture. And so I've been, again, praying a daily holy hour for almost 20 years. I never, ever go into prayer without my Bible. And I know that God's word is not a word for someone else. I know that when Luke wrote his gospel, he was not just writing to people in the first century, but I know that the Holy Spirit was writing for me. And so I'll take my Bible and I'll pick, you pick the Sunday readings or pick the daily readings. And I'll slowly read that reading and I'll pray for God to speak to me. I'll say, Jesus, open your word to me. Help me to be that good soil and to keep those, those thorns out of my heart and I'm just going to listen for your voice. There might be something that strikes you as you do that. And you can enter into dialogue with God and you can say, Jesus, when you were at the Last Supper, you knew Judas was going to betray you. You knew you were going to the cross. Lord, what was happening in your heart at that moment? But the main thing here in that time of prayer is we want to let God speak to our life. God knows everything happening in your life and he loves to hear from you. But he has a word for you. It'll give you peace and joy. There are many other steps, but I want to encourage you, whenever you finish your time of prayer, whether it went great or it didn't go great, if it was dry, stick with it. But thank God for it. And finally, a very practical thing. When I was in college, I didn't know how to do this. And what people do is they say, I'm going to commit, and it's just like a New Year's resolution. I'm going to lose 10 pounds this year. I'm going to be on social media less. And, and you find out that you don't make it. Today, someone who's at this conference with you, talk to them and commit with them and hold each other accountable. When I was in college, my mentor said, let's pray to get, let's together commit to prayer. Pick someone, do it with them. And so brothers and sisters, to wrap up, when you go to prayer, if you give a mouse a cookie, he's going to want a glass of milk. And then learn how to be there and to listen. Let's close with a prayer. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord Jesus, we bless you and praise you. Lord, we ask you to rid our hearts of all those thorns, of all those anxieties. And Jesus, that they might be filled with your word, with your splendor, with your goodness. Lord, teach us how to pray, for we do not know how we are to pray. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks, everybody. Great to be with you. Thanks for listening, friends. To hear more content from speakers like this, join us for Seek 24 in St. Louis, January 1st through the 5th. Visit seek.focus.org to learn more.